Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Today's guest is David Girelli. He is an award-winning global director in digital innovation and enterprise technology for one of the world's largest billion-dollar companies. He is also the author of the book, How to Escape from Hell in which he writes about horrifying and inspiring accounts of people that have crossed to the other side and came back to tell their story. So this might be one scary podcast. Prepare yourself for this, guys. David, thank you so much for joining me. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me, Jeff. All right, well, let's get right into it. Does hell exist? And if so, why? Okay, so it's a really interesting question. So from a theology perspective and a religious point of view, there's a lot of uh, talk about hell in the Bible, for example, but there's very little in, from a theological, uh, theological perspective, there's very little in terms of how hell came to be. So I talk a lot about this in the book. Mm-hmm. And um, there's a concept, and I mean, obviously people can read the book to get the full breakdown, but I'll, I'll summarize. So there's a concept of an egregore. So this was something that was established some time ago by the uh, Masonic Society. And um, it's been around long before that. What, there was a concept called what? I couldn't understand you. It's called an egregore. An egregore. Egregore. So, egregore, yeah. Okay. So I'll explain what an egregore is, right? And okay. uh, I mean, the reason I've written the book is because it is a complex subject. Mm-hmm. So uh, I had the conversation before where people ask this question, mm-hmm. and it's very difficult to answer in a short space of time. And if mm-hmm. I could, then I probably wouldn't have written the book. Mm-hmm. I just verbalized it when I'm speaking to people. But I'll try to summarize it to make it as um, digestible as possible. So an egregore is a collective thought form. So it's a, uh, a, a collective thought form of all of the individuals contained within that egregore. So it's an energy, effectively. So it's a type of energy where if you, for example, you might think of telepathy, where people share thoughts uh, via their mind. And this comes up a lot in NDEs, right? The, the, the ability to speak via your mind um, as opposed to verbalizing things with your voice. So an egregore brings together all of the energy from a number of different individuals. And if we look at positive NDEs, we know that that's positive energy. And for hellish experiences or negative NDEs or less than positive, as some people like to call them, that's negative, negative energy. And so what, and, and again, it's a very, very big subject. So what happens is um, as we go through life, we collect, um, this, we have this negative energy around us, right? So the positive is, is the, the light as we refer to it in heaven. So if you think of heaven as a place, um, and, and I mean, I'm calling it heaven, but we can get it, give it whatever name we want to give it. I mean, it sounds very religious mm-hmm. when we use the word God and heaven, but we can think of it as a supreme intelligence, or we can think of it as the light or Mecca or whatever you want to call it. But the point is in heaven, it's always positive energy, which we refer to as agape. And agape is a very common term. And religiously, it's used to describe the love that God has for, for mankind 
and the love that mankind has for God. But it's a form of energy. So, and in the book, I refer to this as kind of the force from Star Wars, mm-hmm. and I'm not the first person to refer to it. And so the idea is that this positive energy connects everything in the universe. And uh, it's the kind of energy of our souls. It's the energy of our life force. And so when we come to Earth from, from heaven, and th- that's a whole different subject, but we just have to roll with me on this one. So when we, go, when we come from heaven, we come down to Earth and we start our experience as a humans, um, you know, we're very innocent as, as children, right? So we're not weighed down by any negative energy. But as we go through our lives, um, as anybody watching this and anyone knows, we suffer from various different things and we have contempt and hatred and greed and we have all these negative energies that we collect for our lives. Um, and it could be contempt, it could be any number, and guilt, actually, so self-guilt is, is a form of negative energy. And so we, work, we go for our lives collecting all of this energy, all right? So when we eventually pass away, what happens to that negative energy? Where does it go? Because in heaven, there's no, there's no negative energy in heaven. You can't go into heaven with a, a kind of this, this cloud. And actually, in the book, um, there's, there's one witness, as I refer to them, that actually saw this, observed this during a positive experience. They observed this negative energy on earth and these kind of red clouds floating around people, which represented a negative energy mm-hmm. that they'd collected through their lifetime on earth. And so when they go to heaven, you can't take that into heaven with you. And it's not like God or someone saying, no, you can't come in. You need to shed that negative energy. It would be like an oil spill in the most beautiful Pacific Ocean in the world. Right? It would just destroy all the life there. So in order for us to return to heaven, we have to shed this negative energy. Mm-hmm. And so there is a process, and I am very quickly going through this. And so again, you get to roll on some of these things. There's a process of judgment. But when I say judgment, so typically in the Bible, judgment refers to the judgment of God. But it's difficult to reconcile that concept, particularly in the circles of NDEs, when we say that God loves us unconditionally. Well, if that's true, why would he ever send us to hell? Mm-hmm. So the answer to that and men, people can disagree with me, but I encourage them to read the book and then disagree with me as opposed to just a short summary. People can disagree with me, but God doesn't judge us. We judge ourselves. So we, we, we go and, and the, the judgment is the life review. And I'm sure you're familiar with the life review, right? And what do we hear about the life review? Mm-hmm. So one of the things we hear about the life review is I'm overwhelmingly compassionate. So I, I have this heightened sense of empathy. So, and, and for those that have never heard of the life review, this is a process where, and again, let's assume um that the god is the supreme intelligence right so elon musk believes that the universe is a simulation so let's just kind of roll with that there's there's um theoretical scientists that believe the same thing so a supreme intelligence is able to present to us our entire lives and also during that process when they're presenting this to us they can show us the lives of the people that we've impacted during our lives how we made them feel we're able to feel how they felt and the idea is to say i'm going to show you how you made this person feel now, it's not just bad as well. So it's the great things you've done, you know, the, the acts of compassion and kindness and empathy. Those things are reflected in this experience as well. But also the negative, because our purpose on earth is to learn, is to enrich our souls through life. In heaven, there's no suffering, there's no pain. So you can't learn these things in heaven. And people say, what is the, so is God making us suffer? That's a whole different subject. I don't think the answer is yes, but we do suffer. That's a reality. You know, we have disease and pain and war, and most of these things are created by mankind. Mm-hmm. So during that life review, we reflect on what we've done with our lives, but importantly, and perhaps most importantly, is how we've impacted others. How have we made other people feel? Mm-hmm. And it's not things like, or at least I don't believe it is. You know, it's not things like, um, did you do 20 Hail Marys? Um, did you have a certain relationship with God? Mm-hmm. It's, it, that's very prescribed. It's a lot simpler than that. It's how did you treat other people? 
that's all that's expected from us is how we treat other people. So if I, for example, and it's not just like murder and, and, and all these horrible crimes, it's generally. So if I'm walking into a store and I bump into somebody and I make that person feel bad for no good reason, you know, I'm in the wrong, um, just from a, a general compassionate point of view, I will feel how that person felt. And because of my heightened sense of empathy, because I'm not weighed down by my human body, you know, a soul um, or a being, or again, I'm trying to avoid religious terms, is it, it, it's a consciousness. You know, when you die, there's three things you take with you, your consciousness, your knowledge, and your emotions. And so when we, when we go before this life review, we have a heightened sense of empathy. So if we've wronged somebody and we feel that emotion, it's heightened. And most people describe feelings of shame and horror. And so that's the negative energy that they've collected. So when I walk past that person in the store and I'm horrible to them or whatever the scenario is in life, you know, it could be your partner, it could be anyone, I, I retain that energy, that negative energy. So the question is, where does that negative energy go? And so the life review cleanses us of that negative venue because we're confronting the things that we did in our life. And so me, I've already, I've done this exercise. You know, I've already looked back through my life. What have I done that I feel bad about? And I was involved in drugs when I was young. I've had disease my entire life. I've been in and out of hospital. I haven't always been a good guy. Um, you know, I towed the line when it came to the law when I was younger. Obviously that changed professionally, um, but I've done things that I'm not proud of. And they affected people. I'm fortunate, I never hurt anybody but I've done bad things. So what happens when it comes to my time? Am I concerned about the doctrine, um, the, the scripture? Not so much, because it's really simple. Have I hurt other people? How did I make them feel? So you're gonna feel how they feel, and you know this from the other interviews that you've done. So the question is, that's your negative energy that you're confronting at that point, and you're supposed to learn from it. It's not judgment. There's no one saying to you, um, you're a bad person when you did this, because you know that. You can feel how that person feels. Mm -hmm. And a good, a good, a good um, example of this is bullies. A lot of young NDEs, um, they say, when I was a kid, I bullied this guy. And I felt how he felt as he walked, walked home one night crying. And then I felt how his parents felt. And then I felt, and the, and the ripple effect from that negative energy, it, it, it ripples. And the good and bad things do ripple through the universe in that mm -hmm. agape coming back to that energy. So we're in the life review. And let's take, for example, a more severe example of um, misgivings, misdeeds, so murder, you know, or um, violence or whatever. So imagine it's not the physical experience that you're going to experience that you, that you have put onto other people. It's the emotional experience. And when you're in that heightened sense of empathy, you're going to feel that more than you would if you're on Earth. So on Earth, and this comes up a lot, yeah, but Hitler, I mean, it's an extreme example, but if he's in front of God, and it's not always God, sometimes it's a guardian angel, mm -hmm. it's being, so it's probably better to say that. So if Hitler's in front of God, and he's having to go through this, imagine the lives he's impacted. I mean, let alone the six million people that died. Think of all the ripples of their families and in the future inside. So that's a lot to take on, right? And you would think judgment is you go to hell, right? You go to hell. So people say, well, yeah, but he's not going to care, is he? But he's not that human being anymore. He's a soul now. Mm -hmm. And so... He's in a situation where I did all this real bad stuff when I was a human being, but now I have this heightened sense of empathy. I have to experience, not judgment, to learn from what I've done. I have to experience all of these things that I've done. Can I get through that? Can I get through that process? The chances are, and there's, there's in the book, there's examples of people that ended up in hell for much lesser things just because they had contempt in the way they treated people. Mm -hmm. And so I'm judging myself, right? Can I deal with? Can I complete my life review? Can I suffer through? And the intent is not to suffer. You need to learn from this. If the answer is no, 
you're not shedding your negative energy. You're not going for that process. You're not completing that process of the life review or judgment if people feel more comfortable with that word. So what happens then? Well, there's only one place that, neg that negative energy can go. It goes to hell. We call it hell. I call it an egregore because an egregore is a description of a collection or a shared mindset or a shared, uh, a shared emotional um, substance of all of the negative energy. And that's why it goes down, right? Because negative energy falls and positive goes up. So all that negative energy collects. And then over the thousands and thousands of years, that people have been passing away and unable to face their life review. And I mean, that there's two sides to how people go to hell, but this is one of them. All that negative energy, that egregore, it grows and grows and grows. And the egregore itself is in some ways its own entity. And it, it doesn't have some kind of um, capability where it can drag people in. If, you're, if you go to the life review, or just generally when you pass away, if you're neg it's, it's the law of attraction. If I am consumed by that negative energy, and I can't let go of that negativity. And sometimes it's self-guilt. It's not always bad things you've done to other people. That's why it's really important to value ourselves. You'll be attracted to that egregore. Or more specifically, you'll be attracted to hell. And it's, a, it's, a, it's an ingrained truth, uh, an emotional truth. I belong in hell. I don't deserve heaven. That sheer, that sheer fault alone sends you in that direction. So this egregore continues to grow. And so what happens is every time somebody joins that egregore or hell, they contribute a part of themselves into that anger and, and they, they enforce it, they strengthen it. And so all of their fears, all of their contempt, all of their hatred, all of their guilt becomes part of that. And we see this in a lot of NDEs, even post writing the book. I've seen NDEs where people have said, I was in this place. And then suddenly I felt, I mean, one guy, he went around murdering people, but he felt like he was compelled to do so. He didn't want to do it. And at first he was like, oh, this is horrible. How do I get out of this place? But then he started to enjoy it because the effects of the egregore affect and influence everybody inside it, all the souls inside of it. And we manifest these physical beings such as demons and so on and so forth. And this is, if you think about it, the egregore is evil, but what is the definition of evil? The definition of evil is the, 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 the desire to inflict pain and suffering on others. I mean, that's evil, right? Mm -hmm. So that is the, the, that is the definition of negative energy. So people are compelled within this environment, within this egregore, which consumes them in many ways and influences them to do these bad things and to be evil toward each other. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of chaos. You know, we read about hellish NDEs where there's fire and clanking and screaming and obscene language, like really obscene language. And, and I include this in the book. And some of the examples of the things that happen to people are really horrific. I mean, if you think about, and it's the different types of people that can tell us about hell. There's the people that go there and return, and we can come to that in a second. And there's what I call observers. So an observer is a positive ND who's um, gone to heaven, but then they get shown hell from a distance. They don't actually go there. There are some cases of that, but on the whole, they see it through a lens, if you like. And mm -hmm. they describe the horrific things that they see in hell. And I think probably the most horrific form of torture is being eaten alive. Now imagine if you were eaten alive perpetually for all of eternity. Wow. Now I say all of eternity, there, I, I, I believe based on my research, there is no, there is, hell is not eternal. And that's a very difficult subject to, to agree with mm -hmm. because scripture teaches us that hell is eternal. But again, if, if there's an unconditional love from God, why would he make such a place? Okay. So God didn't create hell. We did. We, we, we as souls and bearing in mind that, um, and there's other books that talk about this from a positive perspective, we are an extension of God mm -hmm. you know, and, and there's this, this, this oneness that we have. So we separate ourselves from agape, from the light, 
and we almost condemn ourselves to hell ourselves. Mm-hmm. And there's a really interesting one in the book um, from a guy that ends up in hell. And he does manage to finish his life review. But prior to that, he, when he, he was having his life review and he physically, so because you have to have physical man- manifestations for the, the humans that go to heaven, right? We don't understand all the mechanics of heaven. It's actually very complex. If people think beyond just heaven and look into the detail from these incredible stories that people bring back, they'll see just how deep the rabbit hole goes, just how complex it is. And you know, there's, a, there's a lot there. So this guy wasn't able to complete his life review. He could, and it was just contempt. That's all he did wrong. He just had contempt. He didn't murder anyone. He didn't steal anything. He just was a very contemptuous person during his life. So he closed his eyes. And when he closed his eyes, he found himself in a cave. And he could hear screaming and fire and all the kind of traditional hellish things that you see, which ultimately in this egregore is just the manifestations of what people believe is evil and yeah. what people think they need in order to inflict pain and suffering and fear on other people. You know, in reality, it's just a big ball of energy, which is what our souls are, right? We're, we're, we're beings of energy. You know, we're beings of agape. The same as God, right? So he wasn't able. So he closed his eyes. He ends up in hell, and this was a really good. This this helped me a lot to understand what was going on. And only when he tried to close his eyes, and he was outside this cave, and there was all these people shivering and sitting on the floor, and there was growling coming from this big cave, and this horrific, monstrous creature comes out and just grabs a bunch of people and drags them into the cave, and was mm-hmm. screaming and running around. But all these people, <coughs> excuse me, they look like they've been awake for weeks. The eyes are red. And then just eyes wide open like this. And he's, he's like, what's going on? So he closes his eyes and he's straight back to his life review. So you've mm-hmm. got a choice. You finish your life review and you get through it. And then you're effectively forgiving yourself. You're cleansing yourself of that, of that negative energy. You need, you, your purpose in life is to learn. Mm-hmm. If you don't finish that, then you, you haven't completed your journey. Right. Or you can keep your eyes closed, but, but in hell, they're going to be wide open. And until you come back and do this, then this is the reality of your situation right now. It's difficult because there aren't that many witness reports of people that have been through exactly that. Most of the hellish witness reports are people that go directly to hell. And a really good example of how someone goes directly to hell is at the moment of death, they, um, they, they suddenly, and it's a lot of people that have depression and suicide, so suicide is a good example. And it's not the act of suicide, although based on my research, God's not a fan of that, but it's not like a, a direct ticket to hell. There's plenty of examples of positive in the experiences where people have committed suicide. But effectively, there's a really good example of a lady and she's suffered from crippling uh, depression her entire life. Mm. And so she, she's, she's welcomed by the light. She has this overwhelming sense of joy and love and acceptance. And then she suddenly decides that she's not worthy. I'm not worthy of this. When that happens, her emotional truth comes through, which is that negative guilt, that sense of guilt, like I don't deserve this. So she's judging herself at that moment at that very moment, she's more attracted to that negative energy of the negative, I call it the egregore, um, but it's hell. So she's attracted. So the law of attraction pulls her toward. And you know this magnetic force that people talk about? In, like I was, I was ripped in a kind of, not in a bad way, I was pulled by this overwhelming sense of this magnetic force. That's the law of attraction. Mm. And it's the same when people fall. So you think about this concept of falling. I mean, it's, a, it's, it's, the, it's your perception of what's happening to you. Is falling. That's the magnetism of the law of attraction as it relates to an egregore. At least that's what the research would tell us. And there is only 4%, around about 4%, according to IANS, of all NDEs are hellish or less than positive. So it doesn't happen to everybody. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't happen to bad people or, or exclusively bad people as well. Mm-hmm. There's lots of people that's like, I, I, I'm not a bad person. What am I doing here? Mm-hmm. So long, long summary to, to answer your question. 
Hell is a collective thought form, an egregore of all of the negativity from humanity. It's man-made, effectively. It's a, it's a human construct that for all of our negative energy, we've created, we can't take, as I said, the oil spill in the Pacific Ocean. We can't take that into heaven. God doesn't want us to go to hell. So one of the downsides, I guess, to free will, it's your decision. It's up to you where you go. God doesn't want you to go there. You know, nobody wants you to go there. You are all welcome in heaven. It's, it's our home. It's where we belong. It's where we came from. But if we, if we're almost making that, now whether it's subconscious or whether it's, it's I mean, no one will consciously choose to go tell and talk about this in the book. No one will consciously say, I, I belong in hell. Nobody thinks that, right? Even Hitler didn't think that. But the reality is that if your experience in life as has generated this, and uh, Justin is the guy in the book, um, the most comprehensive breakdown and experience of hell that I, I've read, and particularly as it relates to good and bad and, if you and this happens in many Indians, you see people have this kind of uh, bird's eye view from outside in space of Earth. But because of our heightened senses, when we 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 revert to our soul form, for lack of a better word, we have um, the ability to kind of zoom in. We have 360 vision. We have telepathic, although it's more than telepathic, because telepathy is still a construct of a sentence. Whereas in 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 heaven and hell, it's more of an impression. And you can communicate via experiences, right? Not just via words. I can impress my experience on you and you instantly understand what it is I'm showing you. So this gives a very powerful capability for observers to look down and understand what they're seeing. And many a time people forget certain things because that knowledge is taken away from them. And again, I talk about this in the book. Mm -hmm. um, but, but this observation, the vast majority of us on Earth have this negative cloud, this energy around us. So the question for each of us is when our time comes, are we able to get through our life review? And it's a process that we, you know, we signed up. I mean, it's a whole different subject. It's not in the book. I am planning to talk about this at a later date. It needs a bit more research. You know, we chose to come here. Just let's accept that for a second. So if we can't complete our journey, the, the learning of our lives to enrich our souls, um, then, the, then really there's only one place where we, that we can go. And that's that's health, and and so that that's and if you and again it's a very complex subject. I talk a lot about it in the book, but once you know this, you have this basis of knowledge, and you start to read through. And I encourage people to read these experiences. You know they're validated. So if people read through these experiences, they'll start to connect the dots. And it was really the guy Justin I mentioned that when I read his experience that everything started to come together. Mm -hmm. Then you've got this basis, this kind of. Uh, theoretical basis that you can start to compare other stories and each of the experiences I've used in the book are statistically comparable so you do get there are I mean there's thousands upon thousands of experiences there's a smaller number of hellish experiences and some of them are um, ICU hallucinations so intensive care unit hallucinations mm -hmm. um, some of them are what we call FT spiritually transformative but I was just focused on NDEs and then there aren't many but they do they do concur they right. do align Right. So are you saying that when a person dies, he doesn't automatically go to hell? He has to have a life review first, except maybe unless it's a suicide or something like that. But generally, so some, people, some people do go directly to hell. But I, I, I mean, the, the challenge we have in years, right, is we only know about the ones that have come back. Right. So we only have the reports of the ones. That, so we have a very small set of data to work mm -hmm. from. Um, when it comes, so actually, the vast majority of the experiences are documented in the book come from people that have gone directly to hell. 
Right. And so, but what we do find in these experiences is that they have a very heightened sense of guilt. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you imagine that, I mean, people traditionally refer to hell as being below and heaven being above. Mm-hmm. So our transition is up. And you'll see from positive NDs, the transition is normally up, right? Mm-hmm. We're always going up towards heaven, which kind of makes sense. So if your negative energy is weighing you down to such a point where you're not able to ascend, then you can kind of descend. So the law of attraction sends you in that direction instead of that direction. Doesn't mean you're a bad person. It, mm-hmm. the, the, just your emotional truth is telling you that you don't deserve heaven. Mm-hmm. All right. So do you think it's possible for everybody to escape hell? Or there are some people that they're never getting out? Well, it, it, it's up to them, right? I mean, that's the underlying message here. It's I judge, not I've been judged. We judge right. ourselves. Mm-hmm. So when, when, we, when we first come to earth, when we're born into this world, um, you know, we, we're clean as far as mm-hmm. you know, evil is concerned. And we collect these things as we go through life. Mm-hmm. The problem that we see is that people that do go to hell don't know that there's a way out. And that's kind of one of the ideas of the book, right? So mm-hmm. if one person reads this book and, it's, and it gives them a way out, mm-hmm. if they do find themselves there, and I've read some really heartbreaking stories mm-hmm. from people on Facebook and other social networks and one-to-one mm-hmm. of people that have such a low opinion of themselves that they're considering suicide mm-hmm. because they just have such a low opinion. Unfortunately, if they feel that way, there's a strong chance that they're going to be attracted to the hellish egregore, to hell, mm-hmm. as opposed to heaven because they have such a low opinion of themselves. Mm-hmm. And what people don't realize is that we're the heavyweights of heaven, just the sheer factor on earth mm-hmm. that we're willing to endure life on earth which can be joyous it can be great but you know not a lot of time you'll suffer so people don't realize just how great they really are and i talk about this your powerful soul in the book so people are weighed down by this this kind of self-guilt and this low opinion of themselves and they think they're not worthy for whatever reason they may have been told that by somebody else for example so they kind of head down there so the question of is it eternal um again hopefully for anyone that reads the book it won't be because what every single witness that was included in this book came back, obviously, otherwise we wouldn't have heard from them. I couldn't have included it in the book. The vast majority of them, whether they were atheist, uh, whether they were Muslim, whether they were Christian, whether they were whatever, whatever religion they were, um, and a lot were atheist, they, they called out for God. Yeah. So this is not so much about belief, right? You, you don't have to, and this is what religion teaches us. I'm not, I'm not banging religion as well. I think morally it's a fantastic place. Yeah. But I do think that sometimes it teaches you have to believe in this or you're going to burn in hell forever. Mm, yeah. Is that really what a loving and compassionate father would tell you? Mm. I don't think so. Right. So people, atheists, they don't know what to do. I'm here. I'm being tortured. I'm, I've literally got these, these creatures ripping my flesh from my bones. And every time I look down, it's back again and being ripped off again. And I'm just going for this perpetual torture and people get flayed. And it's the things that you would expect to see in hell. Um, there is a form of purgatory as well, but that's a whole different subject. Mm-hmm. So, what would you do if you're in that situation? Mm-hmm. It is, I mean, the fact that we're talking about this as being a collective thought form doesn't detract from the fact that this still is real to the person that's there. As far as they're concerned, they don't know that they're inside this egregore. They think that they're in hell, and, and for all intents and purposes, they are. Mm-hmm. And bearing in mind, we don't have a physical body when we die, right? Whether you go to hell or not. Mm-hmm. So this physical body that's being tortured, that's a manifestation in your mind. Mm-hmm. And it kind of says a lot about your journey to heaven. You haven't shed your mortal form because you haven't, complete your journey you haven't fully accepted where you need to go which is heaven mm. so the, I, I, don't, I don't know all the answers to why how do people get hell but at least from our witnesses so i can speak to that from our witnesses what they're saying is i i'm an atheist i'm in hell i'm literally being ripped 
um, shred, shred. I'm having the most obscene things said to me personally that these creatures know about. Because remember, it's, it's all mind contact, right? So you can't hide anything. The same in your life review, you can't hide the truth, right? There, there's no lying. There's no lying in heaven or in hell. Everybody knows, well, apart from the demons. Mm -hmm. So people generally just call out for God because that's, that, that whether you're an atheist or not, it's like, okay, so I read somewhere that if I call for God, I'll be saved. Maybe now he'll save me. It's not so much about calling out for God. It's about accepting the light. It's about accepting the fact that you are entitled to heaven just the same as we all are. Mm -hmm. You put yourself there. So by calling for help, by acknowledging the light, and there's examples of this in the book. Every example, I call it the savior. And it, and it doesn't necessarily have to be God, right? Mm -hmm. So there's examples of someone's mother saving them. Um, but free will allows us to choose which direction we're going. And the same as free will allows us to leave. And actually, coming back to the observers, what you'll see in the book is the observers are saying, look, I, I, what I do know when I look at hell, based on this universal knowledge we receive when we die, right? So when we pass over, most of us, as long as we can get past the negativity, will have this universal knowledge instantaneously. We understand the universe and everything in it. So people that have that knowledge, and it's not complete at that point because it's a transition going to heaven. It's not like you're there and you remember everything from all of eternity. It takes time. So they're looking down at hell and they kind of understand what's going on. And overwhelmingly, what, what all of our observers say is people choose to be there. They don't have to be there. They chose to be there. That sounds insane. Why would you choose to be in hell? But it's for the reasons that I described. So is it eternal? At the point that these individuals, I mean, I, you know, if I could do anything, I mean, let's say, for example, you could choose a job when you die. I'd like the job of going down there if I could. The challenge is I could become consumed by it as well. Mm -hmm. um, but how do they see the light? Right? Who's going to tell them, hey, you know what? God does love you. You need to forgive yourself. And that's the key here. You need to forgive yourself. But you also need to, you need to feel compassion and empathy for what you've done. And you will. Everybody does. And I've had, I've had this debate with my wife. I mean, it's a very fiery subject, particularly if you're religious, which is, yeah, but evil people will never repent. And bearing in mind, repent is just feeling empathy. You know, if, you, mm -hmm. if you break it down. So these people will never feel bad for what they did. Well, they're not these people anymore. Once you leave your mortal form, your whatever brain, whatever's in your brain, your emotional state, your, your, I mean, a lot of people, Hitler, for example, had a lot of issues mentally. Um, all of those things don't exist anymore. So you will be empathetic. Mm -hmm. And it's a very strong chance that if you did very bad things in your life, and when I say bad things, I mean hurt people, then there's a good chance that you're going to struggle to overcome um, those reciprocated feelings when they're, when they're given back to you. And actually, all around you, there's beings of light supporting you, saying, hey, mm -hmm. look, you know, you're just human, you know, or, or what could you have learned from this? But invariably, a lot of people can't deal with that. Mm. And so you have to forgive yourself. What we know from the witnesses that have um, got out, it's um, they called for God. Others actually were brought back, and that's common in NDEs, right? They're torn back to their body the second their heart starts beating again. Mm. Um, you hear a lot of this, I'm sending you back because you haven't finished your journey. Mm. So there are some cases of that where people are suddenly sucked out of hell end up back in their body because they return to their mortal body and they're, they're kind of reunited if you like with their mortal being um, and in other cases they call for the light and their journey then goes on from being negative to positive and so is it eternal well only way we can tell you that is if i ask someone who's still in hell and mm -hmm. all of the witness accounts i've got are from people that came out of hell mm -hmm. and one thing that doesn't happen in hell is everyone gets together for a little powwow 
around about, oh, why are you here? It's not like prison. You know, what are you in for? That doesn't happen, right? It's just mm -hmm. chaos, absolute chaos everywhere. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that, I mean, there are witness accounts where people have said it's not eternal. Um, but then time doesn't work the same in heaven and hell, right? Mm -hmm. We know this, and you'll see this from our, from our interviews. Time doesn't work the same way. You know, three minutes on earth could feel like 20 years in heaven. And so the whole, even the kind of um, the physics of it is very different from our own universe, which kind of makes sense, you know, compared, if you think about the, if you try to look at some of the science behind it. So is it eternal? It's not intended to be. I think that, that much is true. That much we can say based on what our witnesses have done and what God has told our witnesses or the supreme being or supreme intelligence, mm -hmm. whatever you want to call it. That's not the intent. And I've read, I've read witness accounts of how God weeps for those in hell and how he wants nothing more for them to, to open their eyes and see, to see him, to see the light. And um, there are literal stories. And bearing in mind that most of what's in hell, and I'm sure a lot of, at least initially in heaven, is manifestations. You know, a, a vastly supreme intelligence would be able to show us whatever we need to see to feel more comfortable. Because they created the universe, right? Not in seven days. They created the whole universe. And all you know, a supreme intelligence such as God could do that, right? They can create the whole universe. And <laughs> it doesn't have to be snap your fingers and make the ocean, snap your fingers and make the earth. It can be more complicated, you know, if you're a supreme intelligence. So unfortunately, we can't ask those people that are still there. But we do know that the intent from God is not for people to be there eternally. And I've read stories that at some point, this egregore will collapse. So the question is, um, at what point in human society will we be enlightened enough mm -hmm. to really understand that what's important is each other and not the, and it sounds very cliche, the physical things that we have. Obviously, they're important to us from a, a human perspective. But really, in, in the grand scheme, in, in, in the bigger picture, what's important is how we treat each other. And that's not a hard thing to do. It's not hard for us to treat people well. You know? and, and so what I would say to people, if you're worried about it, most, and I've written all of this in the book, if you're worried about it, if you think that's where you're heading, then just look, take the time now to look back through your life. What have I done that's hurt people? Why did I do that? Learn from it now and forgive yourself and move on from it. And if you can talk to people and say, look, I'm seeking your forgiveness. I mean, you know, in life, I think prisoners is a good example of, um, you know, we teach them how bad they are, but we don't, and actually there, there are countries that have a much better penal system where they help people to, to kind of change their ways. We don't really do that more commonly around the world. So we, we're all kind of prisons on earth until we go to heaven and we're all here to learn. And um, we, we can do that now. You know, we don't have to wait for the life review mm -hmm. and, to, and to be, well, I'm sure there's things we're gonna miss. There's no way you can remember every kind of contemptuous act you've performed somebody, but there is, there is a way that we can face into that right now. Right. You mentioned earlier demons. Um, do you believe that there are demons and or do you believe that there is a devil or Satan? And if so, are they entities that are created from egregore? Because we also say, okay, beings of light, you know what I mean? It's like the opposite. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like beings from source energy. So if there are demons and or the devil, are they beings that are created from negative energy? Uh, this is probably going to be your personal thoughts because I don't know if anybody's, you know, commented. They, on this. They, it, it, has, it has come up. It has come up. It oh, has wow. come up. Um, yeah, yeah, it has come up. So the devil has come up only twice, I should mm -hmm. point out, out, out of hundreds and hundreds of witness accounts. The devil has come up. 
a couple of times and demons come up all the time all the time so it is hypothetical um and i i have done some interpretation there's very little that we can draw on from the witness accounts i mean no one's ever asked god what's up with demons you know what are they all about so the, the, a lot of that is interpretation but at least when it comes to the devil two accounts out of thousands mentioned devil i suspect a lot of that comes from their earth-based belief system um from whatever religious belief system they they follow so an egregore um it's not it's it's, it's, it's not like an intelligent um uh benevolent or sorry benevolent force right it doesn't have its own intelligence it's, it's everyone's contributing to that contributing to hell so a couple of people mentioned um satan but a lot of people mentioned a kind of command structure in hell like a demon command structure um, and it's not always demons i mean there's it's what you might expect so i did some research into demonology and i looked at the various different demons from very different various different cultures and what you'll see is you know the horns and the sharp teeth and these kind of horrific figures so coming back to that situation where i'm evil i want to scare you right how do i scare you now bear in mind that the egregore of hell started it's an ancient egregore it has to be right because it started when humans first started going to hell or going to heaven more specifically and contributing to this egregore so all of these demons and bearing in mind that at many points in history and i've actually got a witness statement from the 1600s sorry 1500s so the MDs go hundreds of years back. So some people don't realize that. And I included one in that. And so all these people joining this egregore going to hell in the early years where religion was very prescribed. It was like, if you're not religious, like you're going to burn in hell for sure. So everyone's going to go dying and thinking, oh, I, I definitely deserve hell. <laughs> right? For If someone tells you you deserve hell, that doesn't mean that you emotionally believe that. It's not your emotional truth. And that's the important thing here. It's not what you think, it's what you feel. What is your emotional truth? So back then, you spend your entire life being told that if you don't behave in a certain way and do certain things and believe certain things, it becomes part of your emotional truth because that you've been kind of trained to that effect. Mm. So the demons, um, and you, can go, you look at demonology, these go back hundreds and thousands of years, demonology. So bearing in mind, if I then join this collective thought form, this ancient egregore, and I contribute to it, what am I contributing? So I want to scare someone, right? because I'm, I'm now in this place and I'm being influenced by the egregore, um, all these other creatures here. And in a, in a place of complete chaos, what do you do? People group together, right? So souls group together. And so, and, and again, the, the demonology side of it is a lot of interpretation. If I wanted to scare you, what would I manifest to scare you? If I really wanted to freak you out and I wanted to make you feel as bad as I feel, because that's what it's about. I want you, I'm in hell. You have to feel as bad as I feel. It's, it's a, apparently it's a very important human emotion and we see that i guess the form of greed or jealousy or something is mm. that kind of negativity and it's like i want you to feel as bad as i do and that is very common in mdes people say as i was falling i felt this overwhelming sense that people wanted me to be a part of their suffering they mm. wanted me to feel the way that they feel so if i wanted you to feel as bad as i feel mm. and i wanted to scare the hell out of you how would i do that i would manifest the most horrific form that i can to scare you or Another alternative is that I am manifesting how I feel. So bear in mind, there's no physical entities in hell. There is in terms of the people that are there, but as a soul, we don't have a physical form. Mm -hmm. So we're manifesting these things. And that comes back to our powerful souls, our ability to create, mm -hmm. our ability to manifest them. So I'm able to manifest or, or subconsciously, perhaps I'm trying to scare you. I want you to feel how I feel. I have the power of my soul to do that so I can manifest this, this, demonic look and feel of um of what is most effective at scaring the hell out of you mm -hmm. and so 
they're the two possibilities. Either it's a, a, I don't know for sure because no one's ever asked that question. Um, it's either a manifestation of your emotional truth, which is I hate you, I have mm -hmm. full of contempt, and I want to scare you, I want to torture you. So this is how I'm going to do it. Um, or it's the contribution, but they're not separate entities. They're, they're the same people that went to hell. They've effectively evolved, if you like, into demons, into this manifestation. So that's what I think the, the demonology comes from. I think it's this manifestation and this place where people try to inflict as much harm and, and, and fear as possible. Um, and there's also this um, idea of a command structure, which I found quite surprising. And this relates to the question around Satan. So people say, and this comes up in positive Indies as well, I was approached by these demons. Mm -hmm. And there was, they had various different um, aspects related to them. Um, but they, they had like a command structure, these demons. So there was like this lead demon. And actually you hear about this for people that didn't go to hell, but were at the moment of passing away. And it's not uncommon for an NDE for somebody to have aspects of heaven or hell um, presented to them during the moment of death. So before they've gone all the way to heaven, all the way to hell, something happens. They see a spirit, they see a tunnel, they see an angel, they see a light. So lots of different things can happen at the moment of death. So we have reports of demons appearing at the moment of death or shadows and, and stuff like this. And um, there's usually a command structure to that. And so I, these two reports of Satan, it, they're, they're quite long stories um, when you break them down because I do a lot of analysis of what people say. So they, they initially say, I, I felt a really strong force like Satan. But then they later confirm it was more like a lead demon. So to answer your question, I don't think there is Satan. Right. I think it's a very religious construct. My personal feelings, and it's not necessarily related to the research, is that the devil is a human creation for us to justify the way we are when it comes to our less than um, likable traits. So, for example, Satan made me do it. The devil made me do it. You know, we blame these kind of human characteristics on some entity and say the devil influenced me. And it's also a way to um, crucify people, right? Mm -hmm. you're, you're, you're the devil. The devil's work. You're working with the devil. So mm -hmm. we're to blame people for stuff. Mm -hmm. that's, that's, to me, that's insane. Like, um, hopefully we're a more enlightened race of people and society to be able to acknowledge when we do bad things. You know, children can do that. They can acknowledge when they do bad things. So why can't we as a society acknowledge, I've done a bad thing. I need to look at myself and, and, and forgive and, and try and gain forgiveness from those that I've, I've hurt and also for myself as well. So I haven't seen any description of, or, there are big demons. There are terrifyingly huge demons that you could confuse with Satan, but no one has ever explicitly sat down and had a conversation with Satan. Um, there's not some kind of really smart being in hell that comes up to them with really big horns and says, hey, by the way, you're here because you did X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. No entity has ever introduced itself as, as Satan. So I, I, I haven't seen any any reports that would justify that i think where people have mentioned it twice in the book and in all of the studies that i've done twice it's been mentioned i just think that's them confusing and then normally they say look i'm not sure i think it may have been satan they've, they've seen one of these kind of hierarchical figures um, which is probably just somebody that's been there a real long time and has done the best they can to deal with the circumstances they're in two questions here one i just want to establish for everybody that uh, you have not experienced an NDE. You are just an NDE researcher. And two, what inspired you to do this research and write this book? Yeah, really good question. So to your first point, no, I have not had an NDE. Mm -hmm. And that's actually a very important point. 
because I'm sure you've seen this during interviews. If I've had a positive NDE, and I see this a lot when I talk to people that have had NDEs, they absolutely cannot accept the existence of hell mm. or the integral goal. Um, so the reason for that is if I have a positive NDE and I meet God and I'm exposed to this overwhelming sense of love, which is agape, is the energy of love, mm. which we're all made from ultimately. And I do believe that there is actually, by the way, a scientific basis for this energy. And some NDE, um, some people have had NDEs have said, look, at one point in the future of humanity, we'll figure it out. You know, we'll, we'll detect this energy. But right now we can't. Dark matter, dark energy is not unusual for humanity not to know what's going on around us. So when people have this exposure to agape, this, this positive energy, overwhelming love, it's very difficult. And not, not everybody needs to have that conversation during their life review or when they pass over. You can ask any question you want when your time comes and it will be answered. There is literally no question that is out of bounds. But people um, generally, their first question is not, oh, by the way, where's hell? Mm -hmm. You know, it's not the first question you think about when you're enveloped by this. And the reason I use the word agape, because the love we're talking about here, um, because love does turn people off sometimes, like, oh, it's all fluffy. It's an energy like the force in Star Wars, like I said, right? But it's not like the mother for a trip, the love of a mother for a child or Mm -hmm. family love. It's, it's way bigger than that. It's way more overwhelming than that. It consumes you. It refreshes you. You know, you hear this from your witnesses, right? I, I come back renewed and I carry this love and I miss it. Some people become depressed, mm. like tragically depressed because they miss this feeling so much. I think that's why a lot of us don't have the experience because it's hard to come back after having such an experience. Mm. So I haven't had that experience. And so therefore I'm looking at it subjectively. And what you'll see, and the reason I've written this book is if you look, at, if you look out there, at um, the books on NDEs. There's a lot of individual experiences, which is really important, are really important to have these experiences. So we have these very unique individual experiences, but what it's not given us is the wider context. Like what is the bigger picture, right? You, fantastic, there's all these beautiful NDEs. Is that it? Is, 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 how can you tell from one book? And I think um, Raymond Moody's book, The Light Beyond, is how I got started. It's kind of like the gateway drug for NDEs. Mm-hmm. And, and the way that one started out was um, is more of a scientific study, a statistical analysis. So my, mine is not a scientific book. It's not intended to be. It's a, it's a, it's a non-fiction narrative. So it's written like a story um, because it is a journey that we take, um, but it's, 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 it's non-fiction. So I include hundreds of, well, I've, I haven't included every single account, but I've got extracts in terms of the research. The outcomes of the research comes from hundreds of accounts, and there are lots of accounts. I mean, I could have written 800 pages if I included every account. There's lots of accounts in there. So the appeal for this book, if you've had an ND, you already know about the light, you know about agape. You, I mean, to, to somebody that's had an ND, it's not a question of belief. It happened to them, it's real. Like they, don't, they don't question it because it happened and I believe them, it did happen, right? So for those of us that didn't have the ND, they're the people I'm trying to reach. So, and, and I'll give an example, take QAnon. I know it seems a bit off the reservation right now. So QAnon has been widely accepted across the United States. And it's based on a theory from three people, conspiracy theories from three people with some kind of clandestine high-ranking military official. You have elected officials that buy into this, right? Mm. And, and I'm not criticizing that. I'm just saying that's the reality of the situation. Right? There's, this, there's this whole thing that came from three people and you've got a, like many people in the nation that are signed up to it. Mm. And, and as crazy as it may seem, people believe it. Mm. We have tens of thousands, potentially hundreds of thousands, estimated millions, tens of millions of people that have had near-death experiences, they've come back, they've told us about it, 
we've measured it against a thing called the Grayson scale, which mm -hmm. is allows us to kind of look at each experience and was it a hallucination? Was it something else? Was it an NDE? And there are countless books on the scientific um, components of these experiences. There are scientific studies taking place. I include a couple in the book as well. Mm -hmm. So literally thousands, 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 thousands. Is it possible that tens of thousands of people from hundreds and over the last, I mean, unfortunately, because the internet's only been around for about 50 years or whatever, we don't have a great record going way back. But if we could record it, there'd be millions of records of these dating back. And I, as I said, I've got one from the 1600s, 1500s. So with that level of, um, and, and uh, Dr. Raymond Moody said it best when he said, um, that which is constantly observed is, is it has to be true, right? Mm -hmm. So we don't have physical evidence because we just don't have the technology to measure it but we have a lot of anecdotal. And if enough people, so take a courtroom analogy, right? if you don't have hard evidence, you rely on witnesses. And ironically, people sign on the Bible to say, look, I'm telling the truth, right? So we accept if I go into a courtroom and I've got enough witnesses, eyewitnesses, sign on the Bible, you can be prosecuted on that basis. Yet we have thousands upon thousands upon thousands of records that have been independently verified on NDEs. And people, don't, people still kind of put it in the fringe. It's like the fringe. So this book is really targeted there. And I've tried to avoid, um, you know, and, and obviously I was a skeptic when I first came into it. And so it's written for people that are like, look, I didn't have an experience. I'm probably not going to have an NDE. How are you going to convince me that this is real? What are you going to tell me that gets me over the line and, and, and helps me to understand what you're saying? I actually spoke to a friend recently. He was born Jewish, but he's an atheist effectively. I said, why don't you believe in God? He said, well, why would I? I mean, I don't have any information to the contrary. So... Mm -hmm they're the kind of people that I'm looking to talk to. They're the kind of people I'm trying to reach out. Although obviously for people that have had NDEs, mm -hmm. uh, hellish NDEs, and there are a lot of people that have had these NDEs that struggle with them. They struggle to come to terms with what happened. I mean, when they talk about it, they're physically reacting to it. They're, 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 they're crying, they're sweating, they're having trouble breathing mm -hmm. when they recount these experiences. So, you know, my message to those people is that you don't deserve hell. It was kind of your own decision to be there in the first place. And this is how you can overcome that in the future. I'm not telling people... I'm not describing to people their NDE for them personally. I'm collating the bigger picture. And so it gives us context. And if, if I had an NDE, I, I would say that I'd be biased a little bit. And perhaps I wouldn't have gone as far as I went because I would have just discounted things on the basis that that can't be true because that doesn't represent the love that I felt when I had my NDE. That doesn't, that doesn't align with my experience, which is fair enough, it probably doesn't. But that doesn't mean it doesn't happen to other people. Mm -hmm. And so, and as a regular person, my standard of proof is much higher. And I say proof, I use the word loosely, anecdotal proof, like the mm -hmm. witness testimony. So my standards are much higher when it comes to trying to convey what happened and, and comparing all these different stories and experiences and then looking at the thing, the law of attraction. And I go into a lot of detail about egregores, by the way. It's not, mm -hmm. as I say, it's pages upon pages on egregores and where it came from and when it was defined in the Bible and the theology of it, I go into all of that. So as a non-ND experiencer, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm coming at it from a different objective, uh, or a different viewpoint, I should say. I'm coming at it with the context of a, a wide collection of different NDEs. I would like to have had the experience, um, but I didn't. And so what got me interested into NDEs in the first place? So I've been reading about NDEs since I was seven years old. Mm. And actually, the first book I read was, um, as I said, the, the, the gateway drug to NDEs was Dr. Raymond Moody's book, The Light Beyond. And the reason I read that book was um, I, when I was young, um, someone told me that, by the way, you're going to die someday. Someday you're going to die. Mm. 
I can deal with that when I was seven years old. I didn't know, I, I, I wasn't naive. I didn't think I want to live forever, but I just didn't think, it's not something a seven-year-old thinks about. Mm. So I struggled with it. I started having panic attacks. I had to see doctors about it. I couldn't breathe. Mm. I was hyperventilating. My parents were beside themselves. How do we deal with this? How do we deal with this concept of death? So they got me a book, The Light Beyond. And literally, I, I, my mother read it to me initially, then I read it, and it, it worked. I mean, it was the cure. And I was like, okay, so yeah, I'm going to die, but at least something happens after that. It's like this darkness and blackness and all the rest of it. And as a child, it was very comforting. Mm. And then, <laughs> excuse me, as I mentioned, later in life, and I always maintained an interest in the subject. But later in life, um, you know, as a young man, I got involved. At, I grew up in a very rough place in just south of London. Um, there's a lot of drugs and violence and gangs and all this kind of stuff. Um, I had a lot of problems in the mm. area. Mm. Um, I wasn't a horrible person um but at the same time if you look at the kind of um the boundaries when it comes to religion i wasn't a good person i think by the religious definition i'm probably destined for hell um at that time in my life mm. you know, that's what i deserved and so then i then i um i, I picked up a disease a chronic condition called crohn's disease mm. um pretty severe version of it when i was uh, 21 years old and uh, I was very ill. I've been in our hospital, multiple surgeries. Mm -hmm. And I knew that people had these, and I, I've, I've had uh, adrenaline in the heart. I've um, had respiratory failure. I've had anaphylactic shock. I've woken up covered in blood. I've been through these really bad experiences, mostly when I was younger, on top of it now. And um, I always wondered, like, well, what's going to happen to me? You know, like, I did some real bad stuff when I was younger. Am I going to go to hell for that? And so this kind of curiosity turned into a bit of an obsession. Mm. And um, I, I, I kind of picked my picked myself up as many people do, and uh, I built a good career and a family. And and my son asked me the same question um, a couple of years ago. So what happens when we die? And he dealt with it way better than I did. And then he asked me about hell, and I was like, well, you know, I don't I don't really know the answer to that. So mm. are you going to go to hell? Oh, true. I, I don't really know enough about this. So then I went away to do the research, and um, you know, if, if anything else. I don't want to detract from the purpose of the book, which is to answer all of these key questions, but also to help people if they ever find themselves in that situation. And, you know, the underlying message is all we have to do in life is treat people well to, to go to heaven. Like that's, it's as simple as that, right? And it's not right. that hard to do right. that. Um, but, but really, hell is a fascinating subject. Right. I mean, people watch horror films because they like to be scared. Yeah. Uh, I'm not trying to scare people. But as you said, when you introduced me, it's scary as, as hell unintended i mean it is terrifying mm. what happens to these people and I, I we spoke about the egregore and we talk about the different concepts of hell but the reality is it's, it's real for the people that are there it's terrifying mm -hmm. and um uh, there is one particular story one particular witness account in the book which it, it came with a warning um when i read it uh from the, from from the uh, research foundation to say look hey just so you know it, it, this is really really horrific so it is terrifying and because it's a narrative nonfiction, we get past that. So like, let's just talk about what happened to these people, right? Then let's talk about why it happened to these people, what they did to get out of that situation, and what do you need to do to avoid being in that situation? So I'm not suggesting that if you don't read this book, you're going to go to hell. That's ridiculous. It's a very small percentage. It's 4% mm -hmm. or approximately, according to IANS, of all experiences that go to hell. Mm -hmm. um, so it's a very small number. And actually, some observers said the population compared to heaven was very, very low in hell. But that doesn't detract from the fact that it's still an incredibly horrific place to be. All right. Let's say this. Three things that I hope 
we all get out of this podcast, two of them are, if you find yourself in hell, either call out to God or forgive yourself for all your wrongdoings to get out and to prevent from going to hell in the first place, treat people well. Don't treat them, you know, don't be bad to people. I'm oversimplifying everything, but I just want to... No, no, it's right. It's better simple for absolutely. That's the the right message. I was just trying to say, am I right on that or do we need to add anything else? Well, it's it's that. So if if you had to tell someone and Mm -hmm. you didn't have the the benefit of a book to read, um, then yes, that's sufficient. Mm -hmm. So it's... I would also suggest take some time now to look back through your life. And it's not about making yourself feel guilty, mm-hmm. right? But you don't have to feel, you just, you need to forgive yourself. And that's what people struggle with the most. Mm-hmm. And I'll talk about a lot about this in the book, The School of Life. Mm-hmm. It's, we're only human. Mm-hmm. You know, we make mistakes, we mess up, we do bad things. Um, and, and that's kind of the whole point of us being here, not to do bad things, but to learn from what we do. So ultimately, yeah, it's um, if, it, to avoid hell, just be a good person, right? Mm-hmm. Because a lot of people, do I need to practice certain religion? No, just be a good person. Mm-hmm. Just treat people well. Treat mm-hmm. others the way you want to be treated yourself. Look at where, I mean, in particular in the United States right now, there's a massive divide right now between like neighbor upon neighbor. Mm-hmm. It, it, is it really that important? Uh, so anyway, you're right. I think that that's a pretty good summary. And um, when your time comes, this will make sense anyway. I, I guess it's more targeted at people that don't do the life review because you're mm-hmm. going to figure it out during your life review when you close your eyes and end up in hell. But um, if, you, if you just end up there suddenly and you're like, why am I here? That's when you need that information. Is, you, know, you, you, you belong in heaven. There is nothing that you can do that will make you, God love you less. And all you have to do is see the light, acknowledge, and he'll come and get you. Right. Or Jesus or God or whichever, whichever savior you need. I want to clarify one thing you said there is that so when you get to your life review, don't close your eyes because if you do, you're not facing it and you'll probably go. Yeah, it's not, the phys- it's not so much the physical process of closing my right. eyes. Um, it's just don't, just get through it. You, right. You've got to get through it. Right. Right? It's going to be tough. It might be tough, but you will be surrounded mm-hmm. by the most loving beings who don't want this for you. They, don't want, they want you to stay and they'll beg you to stay. Right. You know, we, like I said before, we're the heavyweights of heaven down here on earth you know we're going through this and so just 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 get through it just accept yeah i messed up like i look back at things in my life now and i cringe at some of the things i did in my life i'm like mm. oh, idiot idiot what did i do mm. and that's okay you know I, I messed up i made mistakes i've learned from it i'm moving on same when it comes to your life review just accept you messed up acknowledge that you've done it let yourself feel the empathy trying to i mean you're going to feel shame you're going to feel humiliation you're going to feel terrible for some of the things you did that's okay just move on from it and, and, you know, let's just learn what we can from it. What do you think about confessionals in the Catholic religion? Those are almost kind of like many, yeah, life, I think it's good. many life, Absolutely. Reviews, you know, but, 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 but it only if, only if you mean it, right. If I go into confession box and I'm like, you know what? I murdered someone two weeks ago, just letting you know. So I've confessed. Mm-hmm. It's not a tick in the box activity, right? You have to mean it. Right. That's the whole point of the life review. And how can you mean it unless you know what the other person went through? How can you, you need to understand what you did in order to feel any kind of regret or empathy or mm-hmm. repent for it, as right. the religious term is. So I think the confession book is, sorry, the confession box is, is good if you mean it. If you generally go in there and you're like, hey, I feel so bad for what I did, and, and then that's great. I think mm-hmm. that's a really good thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're just going in there because you think, you know, what if I tell this priest that I did these things and, he, and he's like, yeah, 10 Hail Marys or whatever, mm-hmm. I'm good to go. No. That it doesn't, you know, there's, I know, we, and I don't want to get into a religious debate, but 
we are all children of God, right? We're all representatives of God. There's no, I, I'm, I'm sure religion, I know religions believe that certain people in their group um, represent God more closely, but we're all children of God. So we, none of us have the power to forgive. We know we have to forgive ourselves. Only we have the power to forgive ourselves. God, as hard as it accepts, we'll, there's nothing, as I said, there's nothing that we can do that would make God love us less. And that, that sounds hard because people have done some pretty bad things throughout history. Um, it really comes down to judging ourselves and being able to forgive ourselves. Once we understand the, 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 the gravity of what we've done when our time comes. All right. So um, in your book, I mean, you obviously only are, I don't know about your book, if, if your book's entirely about going to hell, but yeah, and I know you mentioned that only 4% of the NDEs, I believe, has gone to hell. So as we kind of get toward the end here, let's see if we can start going back to positive. Is there something, is there an NDE story that you read that has been inspirational to you and just made you, you know, gave you a high almost just was so overwhelmingly overwhelmingly good that you can share with us something that Mm -hmm. is your favorite that you can share with us. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, they all make me feel good. Um, Mm -hmm. And then very much, as I mentioned before, everyone that went to hell came back and Mm -hmm. it's a beautiful story. Um, I mean, what could be more inspiring than being rescued by God or the light or whatever it may be. I mean, Mm -hmm. particularly under such horrific circumstances when these people enter into their experience. But the one for me is from a guy called Justin and a guy in the UK and he had respiratory failure, died and he had an experience and it it had the most information. And when we die and and whether it's heaven or hell, we share emotion, we share feelings. It's, It's a transmission of experience between people. And it was really this single NDE that answered the vast majority. So the pieces of the puzzle were there, but it was difficult to connect them together. And actually, a lot of feedback I've had from my, my beta readers is, thanks for connecting the pieces. And that was really the objective is, how do we connect the pieces? And so Justin, um, when he went away, he, he was the one that observed the negative energy. But he was imparted with a fair amount of knowledge, not everything, but a fair amount of knowledge. So as a researcher, um, I'm inspired by every ND that I read, every single one. Um, because they are inspiring. It's difficult not to get sucked in once you start to read them over and over again. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was the most inspiring for me because it gave me the answers because I'm curious, right? I'm, I'm, I'm in this to learn. What, I don't want to just take things on face value. I want to know. And that's what the book is about. It's about knowing um, based on these witness accounts, which is the best we have right now. So I wanted to know. And his experience, um, I mean, death is always traumatic. So every, even positive NDs start traumatic because someone's dying. But once they get into the experience, so he was what we call the observer. And he was my key witness from that perspective. And when he observed the Earth, 99.9% of humans on Earth have this red cloud. So does that mean that they're all going to go to hell? That would be pretty terrifying, right? Mm-hmm. Well, no. So it tells us that most of us, you know, because it comes back to that 4%, most of us are going to get through this. You know, and a lot of people, as they ascend, apparently, they shed a negative energy. There are some people that have no negative aspects in their life review. So for me, I think it wasn't so much an individual NDE. They all inspired me. They all terrify me, at least the hellish ones. It's more the collective message that you find. And I think the most inspiring thing is this, which, which brings warmth to me, because I've always struggled with the idea of a, of a, um, a God, uh, like God-fearing, that concept of God-fearing. I don't like that. I don't like the idea. Are we supposed to be afraid of God? Mm. Not a single person has had an NDE, not unless their, their opinion is biased by their religious beliefs. Not a single person, I'm sure you've seen this yourself, will tell you that God hates you. 
or God doesn't love you. Like you never hear that. So why is it thousands upon thousands of witness accounts, not a single time has that been mentioned that God doesn't love you. And that I, I struggle to reconcile that. So what this entire experience has done and the research has done is confirm that. It confirms, as I said before, that it's a really important statement. It's kind of like my motto. There is nothing you could do. And God said this, so uh, an angel, I'm using the word angel, they're just other beings. But an angel said to someone, or at least they thought it was an angel, there's nothing you can do that would make God love you less. And actually this particular individual just felt low about themselves. Like, I don't love myself, does God love me? Mm-hmm. Yeah, of course he loves you, insane, of course he does. So that truth, I think, is the most important thing for me. And as humans, we struggle to accept that because, you know, of course, you're going to hate someone who's hurt you or hurt someone in your family. Of course you are. It's normal to feel that way. But that's what makes God, and at least once we've passed, got through our lives and we're back in heaven, that's what makes us, for, at, least from a, at least from an emotional perspective, that's why God is superior. You know, it's that key thing. It's like there's nothing that you could do that, that would make him love you less. And so, yeah, I think it's that collect, it's the whole picture coming together. Mm-hmm. Um, but from a research perspective, it was Justin um, and his experience. But every single one of them moves me. And to this day, I read four or five every day. Um, ones that happened days ago, weeks ago. You know, this yeah. happened every day. This is the wow. thing people don't realize. Happen every week, every day. Mm-hmm. I read these and they all inspire me because every time I read them, it reaffirms. There's patterns. Mm-hmm. The, the Grayson Scout I mentioned. Every time I read them, it just gives me, it, it strengthens my resolve as it relates to what I believe is happening because they all confirm each other. Mm-hmm. There are differences, obviously. I mentioned manifestation. You know, if uh, there's a, a great movie called Contact mm-hmm. uh, with Jodie Foster, mm-hmm. uh, if anyone's ever seen it, and um, she, the whole point of the movie is she's going to meet an alien race for the first time. Humanity gets these uh, designs from space. They build this massive um, technological transport device that transports humanity um, to this superior, um, superior race of beings, advanced race of beings. But what they do is they manifest an environment. So the alien is the her father, and the location is a beach. Why do they do that? Because they know that it's more comfortable for her. And the concept is that an advanced civilization can do that. They can read your mind. They can show you what makes you feel most comfortable. It's really not that different many a time for people that need to see, like even the life review is very different in many cases. Sometimes it's a screen, sometimes it's a newsreel, other times it's just a hologram or whatever it may be, but it manifests in such a way that makes people feel comfortable. All right. So you mentioned that your book's in beta. And I guess it means that it's a work in process. So are you still letting other people uh, read it and give you suggestions or giving you their opinions? And if so, um, are they able to contact you and get a copy of that book? Or how is this all working? Yeah, so so so, so right now I have quite a lot of beta readers at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, so primarily in the United States, which was kind of my uh, target area to start with. Mm-hmm. Um, the, I mean, the reason for that is there's a massive rise of secularism in the US, a quarter since 2015 of the US population non-religious. So you know, there's a lot of people there that we can talk to about this stuff and, and, and get their opinions on it. So is it, the book is finished, I should point out. So uh, beta reading is the process of people just have a look at the book. And uh, I've got largely people that have had NDEs reading the book. Um, and then so half have read, have had an NDE, half haven't. And the idea is, do you understand it? It's a, as we've discussed, it's a very complex subject. So does the structure of the book facilitate your understanding of the subject? And does the science make sense to you? Because it's written for regular people, as I mentioned. Mm. So, um, I, what? I, so, so really, I, can I give it to more people? I think if somebody's had, I would encourage anybody that's had a hellish NDE um, or a negative NDE um, or is fearful due to their NDE, I would love to hear from them. 
um, and I'd be more than willing, I mean, if anything, to help them, perhaps. I mean, somebody said to me once, who are you to tell others about their NDE? Mm-hmm. I'm not telling them about their NDE. I'm sharing other NDEs with them and a interpretation and trying to wrap a little bit of science around it as best we can based on what we've got. Mm-hmm. So I have a website, howtoescapefromhell.com, easy mm-hmm. to remember. Um, I can be contacted via the website. So anybody watching this, I'm, I'm happy to talk to anybody about this. I mean, I've given my readers time to finish the book um, and then I'm in the process of gathering that feedback right now. Mm-hmm. And then really, um, depending on how things go, I'd, I'd look to go to market pretty soon anyway. So I'd like to be in a position relatively soon where someone says, I'd like the book. I can say, look, this is where you go to get the book. All right. Uh, do you have an estimated time when the book will be out for public consumption? Yeah, I mean, that's more of a publisher decision. Um, so I, 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 my personal preference, um, uh, pending advice and guidance or um, more like orders, I imagine, mm-hmm. is sometime in February. Hmm. Uh, next year February March so yeah uh, soon it's finished yeah. so soon I would say soon right. particularly during the pandemic you know a lot of people have lost loved ones right. and as, despite the title it's 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 about hope and compassion and hmm. empathy and that's the kind of twist in the book so kind of giving away the whole whole game now but the twist there is this is not about hate and contempt this is about how to avoid those things and it's about actually you know it's all about hope and uh, compassion and empathy and, and treating your fellow man or woman with kindness and compassion. And it doesn't mean hugging trees and building schools in Ethiopia, um, although that'd be great if you could do those things. It's more about just being nice to the person that you're walking past, you know, just acknowledge that we're all human beings. Just take into account how you might feel if you're treated the same way. And I think this world could do with a little bit of kindness right now, to be honest. Yeah, I agree. Um, All right, well, do you have any other projects that you're working on besides the book that you want people to know about? Yeah, I'm pretty, I'm pretty busy on um, building global technology platforms. But that being said, there is another subject, and I'll probably, it, it, I'll summarize it. Mm-hmm. So this is kind of like a gateway into a bigger subject. Um, and I've already started research on it. I, I'd like this book to get some traction before I put too much time into the next book. Mm-hmm. So the next book is, what if I told you that you chose to come to Earth? You chose the experiences in your life, good and bad. Mm-hmm. And, it, and you, you literally begged the opportunity to come to earth hmm. that's hard to hear if i'm depressed i'm having a bad life i'm cursing god or who, whoever i'm cursing whoever it is myself everything i'm going through in my life what if i told you you chose that you asked for this this is what you asked for this is what you wanted mm-hmm. so that's the subject of the next book mm-hmm. and yeah. th- there's a lot there's a lot of witness statements to back it up wow i i find it very interesting that you use the word you begged for this <laughs> you know it, right. it, 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 generally, generally, that's, I mean, begged, not hands and knees begs. It was more of a, it's more of a, hey, you know, you're getting on the field. Like, I can do this. Let me, let me get on the field and play. I can do this. I promise you I can do this. Yeah. Now, you know what? You've already been for enough. You know, maybe, maybe next generation. No, no, no. I've got this. I've got this. Okay. Mm-hmm. Here you go. So when you hear this, and, and really the hook for this is um, when you hear your mission isn't finished or, or you're not finished on earth yet, mm-hmm. that's basically what that means. You haven't finished doing what you said you were going to do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You haven't learned your lessons. Yeah. All right, David, before we wrap it up here, do you have one last message that you would like to leave us with? Um, so I, so um, one of my favorite, um, trying not to get political, but one of my favorite costs is, uh, I like what Chris Cuomo says, and um, you know, take care of yourself and take care of each other. I, I, I think that's, I mean, I'm, I'm obviously plagiarizing that from other people, um, but I, I think that's a really good message. You know, I, I just say, difficult time for all of us right now it's really tough um 
and it's lonely for many of us. And it's important to know that we're all loved, whether we know it or not. Whether you believe it or not, you know you're loved. Whether you like it or not, and what happens to you when 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 it's our time to go, whether you believe it or not, it's it's good news. You know, it's it's really good news for all of us. And um, I encourage people to read the materials. Don't just pass immediate judgment until you've at least given yourself the opportunity to study this stuff. Mm. And it's a compelling subject. And surely you want to know what happens to you when you die, right? Just yeah, of put existing belief systems to one side if you're worried about that, um, because I know that they're, they're quite ancient and some of them are hard to align with. So just do your own research and come to your own conclusion. But mm. just it's worth doing. Uh, I agree with you. And that was a great message. David, I appreciate you being on my show. I wish you massive success with this book and I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. Thank you, Jeff. You too. I hope to come back sometime. Take care. All right. Have a good day. Thanks, Jeff. Bye-bye. See you then. Bye-bye.